Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. All right, guys, welcome back to the Agent Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Caffarella. We got a special guest coming in from Calgary. What is going on today? Hey, man, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we were kind of catching up before, um, you know, we got started. And I think the first thing that hit me was like, you ran the, the number one team, you said, in North America? The number one team at the number one Remax office in the world. Yeah, that was my my mini claim to fame for for a couple of years. And yeah, that's uh, took a while to get there, but we ended up getting there. So it was pretty cool. That's awesome. So like we talked about, like, I mean, I want to start out like kind of at the beginning of your journey. So like, what got you interested? Like, what was day one? Like, I want to get into real estate and was it like sales or investing or like, what did it look like for you? Oh, that's a great question. So uh, that's a little bit twofold. So I remember looking at the market and thinking I, I was probably, I think I was 21 when I bought my first place. I was bartending at the time. Uh, and I looked, I'm like, well, I'm paying rent. I moved out. I'm going to buy a house, have three roommates and not have to pay rent. So that's kind of the first step that I took. I didn't have enough money to do it. So I actually co-signed with my brother, bought my first house. And then we kind of went from there. And then I bought my uh, a revenue property the year after. And, you know, pretty excited to, to get involved in that. And then Fast forward six or seven years down the road, I actually got into real estate and I wanted to become a real estate agent. And um, I was tired of being uh, a bartender, to be completely honest. I was 29 years old. I'm like, I can't do this forever. So decided to get into the real estate industry and kind of the rest is history. And Brad, how do you how do you say your last name? Just I, oh, it's I, amazing. Nobody can say it. I got to change it to Smith. We're getting married on Sunday. My poor fiance, she wants it to be Vanderwolf because it sounds way cooler. That's so what we it might kind of looks like, but I, <laughs> yeah. I I wasn't gonna go there. So no, it's all good, man. It's Vanderwolf. So it's super. Okay. My friends of twenty five years can't even say it. They say Vanderwall, and there's not even an R. So at least butcher anything, but don't put a letter in there. At least <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So. So it's interesting. So you really got into real estate almost like out of a financial necessity, right? Yeah, it was to grow. I just believed in it. And I still have that revenue property. Like it's 20, it's 20 years ago now, actually almost to the day that I bought it. Um, so I still have it. It's still my rental portfolio, my first house that I bought 20 years ago. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, we we talk about that, call it like house hacking, where like you're living in something and you know, renting it out, and you said you were living for free or close to it. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and you came up with doing it, like not even being able to qualify for a loan, right? Correct. Yeah. So my brother, we worked at like, I was a bartender, so I didn't claim all my tips. It's 20 years ago, so I can talk about it, but uh, you kind of came in. And then I also had another part, a full-time job working at a golf shop. And then I was close. I was really close to getting approved by my brother, who's 19 years old. I had to sell him on this dream. Like imagine being 19. I'm like, Hey man, I need to use you to buy the house. And he's yep. like, 19 years old. Why in the hell do I want a house? So yep. I ended up working out that he co-signed for me. And then uh, we, I ended up buying him out a little while later and, and we still, and I still have it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it, between the time that you bought that, it was what, like you said, four or five years before you got into real estate? Longer. I think it was, uh, I think it was six or seven. So what was the spark there? Like you already had one investment property. What was the spark to say, like, I want to do real estate? 
I, so I've always wanted to do sales. I had big aspirations as a kid to do stuff and uh, no offense, you know, the bar industry just wasn't for me anymore. And I wanted to take my career to the next level income wise and challenge myself. You know, when you're at, in the industry for 10 years, the bartending industry, and that's no offense to the bartending industry, it is extremely challenging, but there's very little room for growth yep. uh, and stuff like that. So I, I want to take it. I actually went and did my mortgage broker's license first, did one deal. I'm like, this is terrible. I can't do it because it's all paper-based and I'm not organized. And then I'm like, well, let's take the next step. And the truth is I came in 2009, which is the worst year we've ever had in real estate. And I didn't know any difference. Uh, so I came in April 1st, 2009. And, and that's when I kind of cut my teeth in the career. I just decided literally I, I'm going to be as candid as possible. I remember bawling my face off in my car because there was a girl that I was really into at the time. And I'm like, I'm like, I can't date. She's fantastic. I can't be a bartender forever. I got to change my life. So that actually sparked me to make a change. So, yeah, well, yeah, there's all different motivating factors, right? I had somebody on my last show that they said that they, they saw somebody pull up in a big red, red Hummer, like in 2005. And that was like their motivation. They're like, Oh, I got to get into real estate because you can make money. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, at the end of the day, I think like that unlimited income, like uncapped potential is, is the upside, right. To kind of getting in. Um, so even though you kind of already had success doing some investing, when you got in to, to doing sales, like, were you even thinking at all about investing or just like, let me just like crush sales and make as much money in sales as possible? It was a little bit of both. I wanted to crush sales to buy more. Okay. So, you know, in my first eight months, so I started April 1st in the worst market. I sold 44 houses in my first eight months. And I was in the top 200 realtors in my city and I didn't even get the full year and everybody else had a full year. And then that's where I'm like, okay, I think I can actually do this. But my rule was save up at that time. It was save up 20%. Now I'd only been a realtor for a year. So I didn't have two years of income for business for self. So my stepdad actually had to co-sign. So then he actually co-signed for my first revenue property I bought after that. And then after that, I've kind of, I, I've got bought a few with my brother, a couple with my dad, some with friends, but um, that was kind of the first thing that got in as soon as my rule was, as soon as I saved up 20%, I was buying another revenue and I just kept doing that. And then, you know, as you, as your uh, properties appreciate, I'd refinance something, pull that out and buy another one. So I used quite a few different strategies, but I definitely have always had the knack, but the truth is, so one of the first revenue properties I ever bought, I told you in the beginning, I remember getting there and I had one revenue property that was working. Okay. And then I had another one and I went and I was so excited. It was the first one that I bought by myself. I didn't need my stepdad to co-sign and then renovated it, did everything, brought people in. And I like, I'm just a terrible, terrible landlord because I have too big of a heart. And this yep. kid's like, I don't really like my mom kicked me out and I have a few hundred bucks, but I have a job. I'm like, oh, you have a pulse. You'll probably be a good tenant. Like just yeah. brutal. And then I did the same for the other one. And then what ended up happening was at the end, I'm like, I don't even want to sell. I don't even want to have these real estate, these properties anymore. So I ended up hiring a property manager and that actually completely turned my life around because I, I took myself and the emotion out of it and I let somebody else deal with it. That's the best thing by far I did for, for my investment portfolio was hired out. And that's one of the biggest objections, I guess, if you want to call it an objection that I get when I talk to real estate agents that are like, I, you know, I want to do this, but I don't want to deal with tenants. And um, I always say to people, I've never met any of my tenants. I mean, literally, like I'm not saying it to, to brag or to like be funny but I've just never met any of my tenants because I'm like you, like I would listen to every story and give everybody a break. And it's just like, yeah. it, it doesn't work, you know? No. And I think there's something to be said for like that in-between person, you know, because if like 
you're the landlord and they're going to you. Every, every tenant, for better or worse, thinks the landlord's rich, even if the landlord's like dead broke. Broke, yeah, so, absolutely, yeah. So it's like it's a, like a mindset thing too. The tenant could have more money than the landlord, but the, the tenant thinks the landlord's rich and it's like, if like to take the emotion out of it, I mean, it's kind of like, why do you want an agent? That's one of the reasons you want to have an agent too. Um, but so like, tell us about like, so how did that change for you? Like you hired, you hired a, a property manager and then like, what did that change for you? It changed the mentality of like, I don't want to get called when a dishwasher's done. I don't want to get called for every little thing. Right. And I think truthfully, like if I'm going to be genuine and, and vulnerable on here, my feelings were hurt. Like if I'm going to be honest, it's like, I gave you both a place, you both, I did you both a favor and they trashed the place. Like yep. all the money I just put in, they trashed it. I'm like, and then of course you can't get a hold of them and everything. So it allowed me to take the emotion out and truly scale it because then the next year I bought three. So I went gangbusters. Like once I realized I, I didn't have to deal with it, I found a property manager who is the worst property manager in the world. However, it was still somebody that took it away. And now I have a fantastic one, but it opened up my eyes that, Hey, I can be a landlord. Like I'm like you, you know, I have a bunch of doors, but I haven't even been to some of my places in a, a decade. I haven't been to one place in yeah. probably 15 years. Like there's no point for me to go. I have people I trust in place that do the work. They give me a bill. Like my handyman is so great. He passed me a bill yesterday. I gave it to him and I don't even go look at his work, but I have, I'm fortunate to have people in my corner that I trust that much, which does make the process easier. Yeah, absolutely. So you sold 44 houses in nine months, which obviously is just not typical. Yeah. How did you pull that off in your first nine months? What were you doing? I got some really great advice from the team lead that I, that I came on and he said, don't, because again, 2009 was the worst year, except for the eighties that we'd had in Calgary. Uh, it's pretty much was like that almost everywhere. Uh, everywhere. Yeah. I just didn't listen to the noise. So I didn't know any different. My ignorance was almost like, I don't know the difference. People are like, oh, it's, and so what I did is I never sat around agents. I always, I worked a lot to the, to the point where I actually ended up getting panic attacks and having like, it wasn't great, but I wouldn't change it. Looking back is I took out the emotion side of things. I took out listening to other agents that were veterans and I just stuck to myself and stuck to, you know, just pushing through. And that was it, you know, doing things like I was just posting on social media. There was this 12, 13 years ago now. So it was like some of the first ones to do internet lead gen. I was literally trying everything I could, calling my friends, letting them know what I made the change. And um, that was big. And I'll, I'll never forget this though. My third month in real estate, I sold 10 houses in a month. And that was my third month. 12 years later, I've maybe done that 10 times still. Like on my own, I have a team. And he looked and he sat me down. He's like, why didn't you sell 15? And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, I suck. I'm like, every realtor sells 15 homes a month, but I didn't know. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, I was like, oh my goodness. So I think the journey is in part of his just when things are negative, like I haven't watched the news since, like he told me don't watch the news and I didn't. So I didn't know any different. I just kept plugging away thinking it was just a normal market because I didn't know any, the difference. Yeah. Um, so you were, you were kicking ass in sales, which I mean, it's a, it, like, you know, we always talk about like how the two blend together because sure. like, not everybody, everybody does investing a little bit different. And like, a, there's a lot of people who have come on that did it like you did, which is like, be really good at sales, make good money, save up to 20%, put it down, continue, and then, you know, refi it out and all that good stuff. For, and it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that, but was it as simple as that for you where you just said like, 
Let me focus on sales, make as much money as I can, save up a down payment, buy an income property, have somebody else manage it and just keep going in that direction. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I hate to break it down to simplest form, but that that literally was it. And I swore like, you know, I, I don't want to sell places. And it's funny, the one place I sold, the only house I've ever sold um, was a condo in Toronto and I was going to keep it. But again, it was in another city. It was a brand new condo and they trashed it. I should have just stuck to my guns, but it was early in my investing career and just been like, okay, it's going to happen because that place I bought is now worth $400,000 more. Yeah. So that's the only one I've sold. And that there's, market- there's not too many good stories about like people selling and then being like, I'm happy I sold. No, it, it, I it almost doesn't exist. It's kind of like crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I've sold so many. Um, I do a lot of flipping too. And it's like, man, like if I could have just held on, I mean, you can't hold on to everything, but you know, you can try to hold on to the most, most that you can. So, um, so that's awesome. So now did you say that, was your objective to do one of those a year? Like, did you yeah. have a goal? Okay. One a year. And, and, um, and like, did you ever try to push it more than that? Or you just like, okay, one a year is my plan. And that's really it. Well, the second, so after the first year that I kind of started, then one year I bought three and then, uh, and then I kept buying one or two. And the, the, the challenge that I ran into is that everything basically stopped. Like I wasn't able to get mortgages anymore because I already had 13. Yep. So I, I couldn't get mortgages and even B lenders at some point wouldn't touch me, had nothing to do with credits, just the way that the economy was. It's like, Hey, no, you have 13 mortgages. You're already high risk. Mm -hmm. So it was challenging to find. And then I just kind of pivoted and, uh, you know, invested in a couple of different things, doing developments and stuff like that. And then recently buying more commercial stuff because they basically look at my business numbers as opposed to my personal. So I've just kind of pivoted and adapted because even like, even right now for me, I'm building a house to get a mortgage was there's only one bank that would lend to me because I have so many mortgages. Yeah. So I think that if I can give anybody any advice and one thing I wish I would have done more is I took a couple people's word that I just couldn't get a mortgage knowing what I know now, I 100% could have kept buying more properties. I just yeah, yeah. for face value. So I think that that's one thing is like, if you want something truly don't get discouraged, just keep turning over that rock. Somebody will lend you money. You may not like the interest rate, but at the same time, if you're cash flowing, if it makes sense, truthfully, it doesn't matter because you're adding to your portfolio. Yeah. There's a million different ways you can do it. And, and one thing I do know is like, you know, you're, you're in a different country and, yeah. and the way the, the lending is different there. I do know that like, it's easier here to kind of get like, you know, it, like not be as capped out and like the rules are a little bit easier and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, there's always a way. So, so you've been accumulating and are those single families or they multifamilies or like what type of properties are they? So I've always invested. I have one townhouse in another city. Uh, and then I, everything else I have is single family. Uh, one is one, I have a duplex, just yep. one side of it, but it's suited. And then the rest are single family and some are sweet. Most of them are actually suited, like up, down suites. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd say that's probably 60 or 70% of my portfolio. And then I bought last year, I bought, maybe it was even this year, I bought a, a, a 12 plex, a multi. And then I'm doing some pretty cool stuff right now, developments in Calgary, where you basically buy a piece of dirt, uh, rezone it. I partner up with different developers. Then we go in, we build it. And then when it's finished, we refinance it and we actually pull out all the money that we put down because yeah. we're building it at cost. So just as you grow your portfolio and you meet more people, you just get more creative. 
Yeah. I mean, it's funny because like the, the simple method that you had, which was just like, you know, make good money in sales, put down the down payment, do one a year, like that'll get you wealthy. That'll get you able to be, to retire over a period of time. Yes. So like the, the next level it now, are you still focused on like trying to do one a year or are you, are you thinking now, like, I want to like shift and do these other type of projects. So I've shifted to do these other type of projects. Cause the cool thing when I do these projects, um, I'll, I'll kind of talk a little bit about, about numbers and what it looks like. So I came in, I bought a piece of dirt for 530,000 rezoned it, um, put some money into it. Let's say you're in it for six. My build costs are 1.3, but I'm building a fourplex with legal suites in the basement. So I'm adding eight to my portfolio. Yep. Now let's say I'm in it for 1.9. It's already been uh, appraised at 2.6 when it's finished. Our, our uh, CMHC it's called will basically allow us to refinance it up to 85%, which is 2.2. So I'll actually be able to pull out 200K in equity plus the money I put yeah. down and I'm adding eight units. So I have six pieces of dirt to do that with over the next two years. So that's that's major. That's my major focus right now. Instead of focusing on one single family is I'm putting up a fourplex with legal suites because I end up being in it for no money. I, yep. can just, I can just rinse and repeat this cycle over and over again. Finding the land is extremely challenging. That's the biggest, that's the hardest thing right now. And there's so many different ways to do that. But I think like the, the methodology is, is as simple as like, you know, if you play Monopoly, like you're putting it down all those greenhouses and then, you know, you move up to the red hotel and um, you know, what, what I found and, and you, you almost can never just go to straight to the, the, the red hotel, but like the more levels you kind of go up, it, it almost gets easier in some ways because yeah. a lot of people can't do what you just talked about. And I'm sure like, there are challenges. I mean, number one, finding the land. Number two, like getting the project done. I'm sure the the, the financing and capital requirements are probably a little bit higher as well. Um, so it's like, you know, because there's less competition to do exactly what you're doing, you know, the benefits are a little bit bigger. And yes. um, the getting into it with no money, you know, you can do that even at a smaller level. And in fact, like, you know, on your, on your first deal, um, I don't know if you put up money, but you know, you had somebody else kind of co-sign. So there's all these different kind of creative ways to do things. You don't have to be super creative, but you know, there are different ways to do things. So for you, like one of the things that I took away from your sales success was that like, you didn't listen to other agents, which I thought was kind of interesting because, um, I think that can be not just agents, but just in general, like listening to other people who are going to tell you that you can't do something or it won't work, or this is like an outdated strategy on how to do stuff. Um, and I hear a lot of agents that say, you know, you can't invest, you need money, you, you can't do all these different things. So like, what would you say to, to agents that like want to invest, but don't think they can for whatever reason? I think it's finding out what your hurdle is, is the biggest thing. And I don't mean your mental hurdle. That's the first thing to overcome is the mental hurdle of getting in. And it's funny because a lot of real estate agents don't invest in real estate, yet you sell the dream and you sell that idea. So it's kind of, I find it a little bit comedic is, you know, if you just buy one rental property that's worth 400,000, every 25 years, real estate doubles, let's say, hypothetically speaking, you have an $800,000 asset that somebody's paying off for you, right? So like just yep. that alone should should be enough for you to want to move forward and do something like that. But I, I think the challenge is when you look back at it is 
like finding JV partners. Like there's almost always a way, like it's just got to make sense. Like, I guess careful you get in bed with is a big one. If you're doing a JV, right? Like I've been burnt a few times in my career. I'm getting burnt literally as we speak. So, um, you know, that's a challenge, but I think it's just finding a way talking to people, you know, what's a great place to do it is honestly, as lame as it sounds, is Facebook. So if you go in, you're like, Hey, I have this great project. I'm looking for JV partners. If you find the right Facebook group, you're going to have 15 or 20 people that just light you up. That's like, Hey, I, you know, I'm a part of six or seven different groups that all are investors. There's, there's deals that go through there all the time. So even if you find the deal, but you don't have financing and I think it's insane truly, but it happens is there's people that'll find like an 11 plex unit or a 10 or a duplex. They don't have any money. They'll post that they have it. You tie it up for a month and you go try to find an investor. People post in these groups and investors be like, yep, sure. And people are literally doing this with no money down. They just happen to have found the deal and they structure something that makes sense. So you don't have to necessarily have the money. You don't have to have the credit. You just have to desire to go and find stuff. Yeah. I think it's like, it also depends on like the time and the cycle too. Cause like right now, like we're at a point where inventory is so tight and there's a lot of money out there. Um, a lot of people that have sold companies or they they've been doing well and they they've got money on the sideline. So like right now, like, I mean, obviously it takes, it take, you know, I always look at like investing as three things. You're going to find a deal, you need some capital source. And then there's like the construction element. And like right now out of those three, like the hardest one is the deal. Like you just mentioned, like, yeah, hey, you, know, you gave me all the benefits of like that land deal that you're doing, but the hardest thing is to find the land. And it's like what I think real estate agents don't understand in general is like a lot of their skill set right now is the most valued thing, like finding that deal, finding that person, finding that opportunity. And there's always capital out there. And especially right now, there's capital out there because there's there's people that they can't come across those deals or they don't know how to acquire them or they can't put them together, but they've got money kind of sitting and they want to invest them in some way. Um, I mean, who wouldn't want to be in on the deal that you just mentioned? I mean, okay, you're going to put up some money for a little while. You're going to be out of it. All your money's back. Plus, I think you said a couple hundred grand more. Yeah, I know. Own, yeah. And then you own the asset. So like, how can you really beat that? Like you can't, you can't do that in the stock market. You can't do that. Like investing in a restaurant or like, you just can't do that kind of stuff. And that's why real estate is, is to me like the best asset class. But um I lost a quarter million in a restaurant, so do not do a restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's take a quick break from the episode. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. Well, you know, it's like, um, you know, not every, you can make money in every industry. Sure. But I, I, I always look at real estate as just like, there's so, it's almost like in real estate, there's so many things in your favor that it's just like harder almost to like have an issue. Whereas like you just said, you lost a quarter of a million in, in a restaurant. Like you may have not even really done anything really hugely wrong there. No. And yeah. And there's some variables that you just can't control. Um, so how have you managed like, like, are you still selling a lot right now? Like, are you still like super active selling and all that? Yeah. So my team recently has grown in the last month from six agents to 21 in my city. Um, resale alone, I've done 65 myself already year to date and also 300 pre-construction. So 
fairly, <laughs> fairly active, I would say. Yeah. And then my team's probably done another 200 already. We'll probably hit almost 900 or a thousand units, hopefully by the end of this year with what we're doing. So that's the other thing I hear from, from agents, especially successful ones is like, how do you do both at the same time, investing in, be a successful agent? Uh, alcohol. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Having a couple shots of Jack here and there, a bottle of wine with the wife and complaining about things. No, it's, it's challenging. You just have to pick your battles. Uh, fortunately I have great people surrounding myself, uh, that makes it a lot easier, but, um, you know, it's about delegating. Like if you look, if you look at the, uh, the land that we're acquiring right now, like some of my business partner, Shane, he's the land guru. He's the land whisperer. Like he finds land. We send out like thousands and thousands of letters a, a, a month. And before I would take those phone calls, but I just wouldn't get back to everybody. Now that's his forte and he does it. So I think that as you grow, you find people with the same ideas as you and hopefully you partner up with them. So that way, you know, you benefit with them. And that's the only way that I've done it right now. Like those 300 units that I sold pre-construction, my business partner is Mark on the pre-construction side of things. And I could never have done that without him. And now we're kind of growing this thing and we'll probably be at six, 600 or maybe 700 this year, just in pre-construction alone. So, you know, you just got to partner up with the right people. I can't do this. Nobody can do what I'm doing or any, like think of like any, but Amazon, you think that he's you know, I think Bezos is out there shipping everything and stuff. Like in order for you to be successful, you only have a certain amount of time. You just make sure you surround yourself with the right people that uh, will positively influence what you want to do and you can help them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you started off talking about just like the property manager, like that was like one yeah. thing that made a huge difference. And, um, you know, I think with the land thing, you know, it's like, you can only be good at so many things. So you found somebody that that can find those type of opportunities. And it's like, I'm sure that there's that I think inherent in all that is like a win-win thing for for all of you guys, right? Like there's a there's a win for 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 that person that's finding the land and there's a win for you in some type of way. That, um, that's a big part, absolutely for sure. Makes it scalable. So for your um your team itself, like what do you what do you want to do with that? I mean, you went from six to twenty-one. That's a big, that's a big jump. I guess, in, in people, I mean, managing agents is not easy. Like what's your plan for there? Do you want to continue growing or like? Yeah, I'd like to be at 50 or 75, but basically I'm creating a brokerage within my brokerage, right? So I think that I'm doing a team a little bit different right now. I have a really low cap, really high split or really, really low cap, really low splits. So a lot of people like you offer all this value. I don't make a lot of money from it, but I'm very candid for people that know me. I'm candid all the time, but I'm very candid in the interview. I said, I'm not babysitting you. I'm not following up with you. It's a different form of a team. Basically what I'm trying to create with my office space is like, is like a Google where people come in, like they were playing foosball yesterday, video games. They play for an hour and then go back and hit the phones. I'm trying to create something that maybe doesn't, there's not a lot of it that exists right now. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, what it does is actually take in um, it's actually taken time off because like I have a full coaching program too, with a bunch of videos and everything. So if they need the coaching and mentorship, that's already done. So that takes away 80% of the work is, Hey, go plug into this, this, and this I've already done the videos, or I do live coaching three times a week so they can come in and they can learn all that stuff too. So it makes it scalable because last yesterday I was teaching how to get a bunch of listings from retirement communities. I had 88 people on there. Well, if I have to teach 88 different people for an hour, that's 88 hours. This is one hour, 88 people get to come in. So I think if there's one thing COVID helped me out with was the coaching side of things and being able to mentor more people at once. Yeah, I love it. 
Um, so what's the biggest piece of advice you'd give somebody like that's on the early stages of their career um, in real estate in general? Just in real estate, not in investing? What I guess you can choose either. Sure, I can go down both. I'll quickly do both. Um, I, I, the number one thing for investing is seriously like, don't listen to other people. Because right now you hear everybody being like, oh, there's no listings and the buyers like, it's just, it's woe is me no matter what. If it's, if there's too many listings, it's woe is me. If there's not enough, it's woe is me. So almost 24 seven, you can sit there and say real estate sucks to some extent. I think it's shut out the noise and find out two or three different things that you want to do and keep going and keep executing them. So I think that that's one of the most important things is finding something that you like and sticking to it. And don't, just take action. There's a lot of people that I coach that sit there and have to wait for it to be perfect. Yet somebody I was coaching two months ago, the same thing has already had sales from it because they just fumbled their way through it and took action at least where this person's like, well, then I have to create this. Then I have to create this. And then they sit there and look at a script that maybe they found and then they have to perfect the script. It's like, just make the call, just take the step. Don't overthink it. You're it's nobody's to my knowledge year to date, short of a heart attack or something else, nobody's died from making a phone call. Nobody, I don't think on this planet has actually physically, unless it's something that's in your phone, like James Bond style and your phone blows up or something, but let's be realistic. It just doesn't happen. So the number one thing is take action. That's the best advice I can give everybody. And you want to know what? That's actually for the next thing too, is your first investment may not be the best and you're going to have to learn. But if you buy and hold, you rarely, rarely lose. Like if I buy a house 20 years ago, like I bought it for 250, it was up to 575. Now it's worth 450, but it's still worth 200 grand more than I bought. So I think it's just important to take action, like get out of your own head and take action. Those are the two biggest things that it, it sounds simple and I know it's not, but that's what I would do. And I remember when I, I first kind of started, like I used to have in my head that like people that were like these crazy successful, like agent investors, like they'd be so impressive and like, they'd be like blowing me away and all that kind of stuff. That's the person that's doing all this. Like they're just right. a regular person. And I never understood, well, what's the difference? Like this person, person A is really smart. They seem like they'd like kick ass and like they haven't done anything. And then the other person well, not to be rude, but they, maybe they seem like a little bit of a dummy and like, you know, yep. like it's like, but the that person is the one doing everything. I'm like, what's the difference? And, and it's all about what you just said. You know, the, the person that maybe is, is less impressive t- presenting wise, they've, they've taken action and they just, they just keep taking a step forward. And it's like, that's really like the number one thing. Like, um, yeah, there are some super impressive, like, I can't touch this person. Like, people in real estate. Um, and it's so true. Like you literally hit the nail on the head. I'll to the day I die. I remember one of the guys that I'm coaching. Um, I started talking to him. I'm like, man, this guy's, he said he's going to do this stuff. I'm like, there's no way. Yeah, no way. Yep. Yep. I'm like, yep. listening to him talk. I'm like, this is impossible. And then I came across somebody I'm like, Oh man, this person's going to kill it. The guy that you listen to literally talk, you're like, he's just going, he's He's literally doesn't know any different. He's just taking massive, massive, massive action. And he's absolutely killing it. And I, I still like, you can, see, you can see the grin on my face, like just thinking of this individual. I'm like, man, he, but it just goes to show like anybody can kill it. Like he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. It's not all the stuff, but guess what? He does more than anybody else is he takes action. And that's just so important is people can sit there and it's this, 
analysis paralysis or paralysis by analysis or whatever the saying is, you just sit there and you don't do anything because you're so focused on what ifs and all this stuff. And it has to be perfect where somebody doesn't almost feel the difference. Like, well, I'm just going to go do this and see what happens. That yeah, person's yeah. probably going to be way further ahead than the other person. I know they are. Yeah. And, and, and with all that being said, like I can, I can say from personal experience, like I was somebody who like sat on the sideline for years without doing my first investment deal. And like, I read, I read every, you know, real, every real estate investing book there was, I knew everything. I knew how to calculate like, you know, all the formulas and all that good stuff. And I just sat there and I didn't do anything. And uh, my first investment deal wasn't a good deal. Like it was a bad deal. Like it was negative cash flow out of the gate. I bought it at the absolute top of the market in 2005. And, um, you know, it, it was the, it was a bad deal, but it, it got me starting. And, you know, I, I said to my, my best friend who I bought that with the other day, I go, we should have kept that. And we paid, um, 485,000. It was a three unit. And, um, about three or four years later, it was worth about 200. And now it's probably worth about 700. Right. And, um, we did end up selling it, but like, again, it's just like in hindsight, I probably should have kept that one. But that got me started though, because that got me over a lot of like small things like, oh, I'm scared to have tenants. And right. then I had them, I had them and I, I, I didn't like having them, but like, I wasn't scared anymore. Like I'm scared to have a monthly payment. Okay. Well I have that now. Like I'm not scared of that anymore. So um, yeah. And I think that's why the action is like important because you don't even know what something's going to be like until you start doing it. And you can like reading a book, you can listen to somebody else's story, but until you start to apply, it's like, you know, a foreign language, but um, let me ask you something. Yeah. Cause they might, I think this is valuable. So you said you read all these books, you did everything you sat on the sidelines. Yep. Why did you sit on the sidelines? Because I was scared. Okay. I was scared. Like there's no other, like, there's no other answer outside of like, I found reasons to not do it and I could give you all the reasons, but the real reason was fear. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And what got me over the fear was doing it with, you know, a close friend. Okay. And it was just like, you know, as stupid as it sounds, it's like, well, if I do this with somebody else now, it's like, okay. And that, that, that was me, you know, that was me. But like, like you had alluded to, like, there are people who don't even think about like fear. And those people just start start doing stuff. So um, I guess part of like why I'm mentioning is because like I don't, you know, I own a lot of investment property. Like I I was very conservative. So um, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take that step for sure. No, that's awesome. I think fear is obviously it's gotta be one of the biggest things to hold people back, literally for anything. Obviously, it's fear for, for anything. You just said yeah. like, you know, no one dies from picking up the phone. It's like, you know, if you haven't done something you're probably somewhat scared to do it because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. And that's how humans were built. Like we're, we're built to not die. Right. So yeah, even exactly. though, even though nobody will die picking up the phone, it's like, well, there's the fear of something really bad happening. And well, it's safer to not do that thing. Even if, you know, you told me or, you know, whatever that it's not going to work. So, but, um, all right, cool. Well, I want to thank you, you know, for coming on. You've got an awesome story. Obviously, you're doing huge things. You're selling a ton of properties, way more than uh, every single minute we went on. You're like, and then I have like 200 uh, pre-construction <laughs> that I'm doing. And then yeah. it's like, you know, you're doing a lot. And, um, you know, I see this so often too with action. It's like it, the people who are taking action are doing like 10 times more than one person. 
Right. So it's like, it's not shocking to me that you've got all that stuff going on, but obviously it's super impressive. Not to mention, you said you're getting married. Is it this weekend? Yeah, this weekend. Yeah. Four days. Yep. Four days. So um, congratulations on that. You know, another, you know, step journey, you know, in your, in your life. Um, that's awesome. So congratulations. And um, yeah, how can people, um, you know, learn more about you if they want to? Yeah, actually. So I'm not, I'm terrible with social media, but I started a YouTube channel a couple months ago. It's called, uh, it's Brad Vandewall and Doubler Income Coaching. So that's probably the the best way. And then the truth is just reach out to me on Facebook. Brad, Van, Brad Vandewall is the, the easiest way. And if you have any advice or if you want any advice for anything, I'm not saying I know it all by any sense of the imagination. Yep. Every time I'm in the room, I try to be the dumbest person in the room so I can learn everything. But, um, yeah, if anybody has any questions about investing, investing in Canada, you know, with your guys' dollar, like we have some three-year rental guarantees that we're doing now. We got some pretty crazy things that are going on that we're offering investors. So if you guys want to get your feet wet in it, or if you have any questions or any have any questions about the coaching, um, YouTube's probably the best and Facebook on how to get a hold of me. Awesome. All right. Well, good luck. Um, hopefully both of you show up this weekend. That would be my yeah. big thing. <laughs> well, we've had a chance. It's been canceled four times because of COVID. So we've had lots of time to run. So, oh man. So, well, yeah, I guess if, I guess if you're still, you're still going at it at uh, time number five. You, yeah, you that's right. I think, I think hopefully we'll show up. We had lots of chances not to. All right. Well, thank you for uh, sharing your time. And um, guys, we'll be back next week with another guest on the Agent Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Caffarella. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Agent Investor. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And stay tuned for the next episode of Agent Investor.